Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about the constitutional SCOTUS, what will the Roe reversal bring, Biden's dementia card in 2024, and the secret recording, how Democrats plan to win. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Obviously, everyone listening to this, pretty much on the planet Earth, is aware that the United States Supreme Court reversed the Roe versus Wade decision last week. They issued a decision in a case called Dobbs, essentially, in a nutshell, saying that the United States Constitution does not contain any guarantee of the right to an abortion. That was the ruling back in the 1973 Roe v. Wade case, which was the court said, you know, they found through whole cloth, like making up out of thin air, found a right to an abortion. It was a legislative decision made by the Supreme Court back in 1973. And what happened yesterday or this past weekend, Dobbs, was the Supreme Court affirmed, which is the undeniable truth, that the United States Constitution does not guarantee a right to an abortion. But this is a big issue with very serious ramifications for America, serious ramifications for the next elections, and for our culture and society. So I want to say I call this the constitutional SCOTUS because the Supreme Court has actually been heavily immersed recently in actually honoring the Constitution. Roe versus Wade was one such case. It did not outlaw abortion. I mean, it did not... Uh, it didn't do anything in terms of whether abortions are legal. It simply said the Constitution does not um, guarantee the right, and therefore this is an issue for the state courts. Other recent Supreme Court decisions have been simply mind-blowing and wonderful. Coach Kennedy, a football coach in the state of Washington, who had been fired by his school district for praying by himself after a game on the football field, uh, he'd been fired for that, and the Supreme Court, again in that case, found for him, found for the coach, and just said basically, you know, there's no, uh, there's no, it gets a little more complicated because it's the tension between the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause, but the basic idea of it was that the, this, there's no reason in our Constitution uh, that requires or compels a school district, a government, to fire someone who wants to pray privately um, on school grounds. And so that case up more about in a moment. We also had the Supreme Court decision recently uh, involving the Maine, uh, law in the state of Maine regarding guns. And that law simply pointed out that the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution is just as important as the First Amendment of freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and basically the right to keep and bear arms cannot be limited by a state government, especially in the way it was in the law in Maine, which was you had to justify 
to the government officials why you ought to be able to have a gun and, and have, have a concealed carry license. And if you couldn't give the government officials sufficient reason, they could turn down your right to have a concealed carry. That was a Supreme Court decision, too, uh, that was very much tied to this notion of, in fact, if it wasn't Maine, I'm sorry, I think the state of New York, the Maine case involved another recent issue. But I want to get around to saying and really closing out this first five by saying this. The job of the United States Supreme Court is to honor the Constitution to interpret the Constitution and apply it. It is not to make up policy. It is not, <clears throat> not to make up rules that the prevailing political uh, view in the country or the prevailing political party happens to believe. It is not to issue policy decisions. What happened in Roe decades ago in a very different era in America was a United States Supreme Court simply made a policy decision that really belonged in the hands of either Congress or the state legislatures, and really the state legislatures, and what they, um, uh, and what happened last week was the court really returning to what's supposed to be the basis for policy making in America, and that is the robust political debate about ideas under our First Amendment, the robust political debate, debate about policy that happens around our country on all sorts of issues, that's all the Supreme Court did. They returned the issue of abortion properly to the people in the form of their elected officials and legislatures. That's what they did, and that's all that they did. And we ought to all be thanking them for doing such a thing. They also talked a bit, and I want to talk on this show today, too, about the idea of rights. Because of the language used by the uh, people who support Roe versus Wade, those who support the legality of abortion, the availability of abortion, they've come to use the term abortion rights. Those two words are put together in sentences, abortion rights, abortion rights. Well, rights, to be very clear, are, are, is a, it, it, it's a word that has unique and consequential meaning. You have a right to free speech. You have a right to freedom of assembly. You have a right to freedom of religion. You have a right to keep and bear arms. You have a right to a jury of your peers. You have all sorts of rights that spring out of the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments of the Constitution. When what the left does to America is attach the word rights to a policy they want America to agree with. They want to make Americans be and say, we're all uh, in favor of abortion being legal at any phase. And even after birth, it's more recent uh, pushes by the left. They're trying to make this argument that they can, they can push whatever policy they want by attaching the word right to it. And you get in very dangerous territory then. I will remind you, when Bernie Sanders ran for president both times, and he may just do it again, I don't know, when Bernie Sanders ran for president, he talked very directly and openly about the idea you have a right to health care. You have a right to, to sufficient housing, adequate housing, safe and adequate housing. You have a right to not just health care, but education, health care, housing. All of these programs that are he supports, that are funded in various degrees by the government, and in communist countries, they really are rights. The government, not only do you have those communist countries provide those things to everyone as a right, but they control them. You have no right to live outside of the communist government's control of anything. So if we're going to throw the word rights around, which is what the left tries to do, you have to recognize how very dangerous that is. Because if you start to say, well, you have a, there's a right to universal health care, there's a right to preschool care, there's a right to education, there's a right to for um, uh, access to medicines, there's a right to uh, food, to have adequate food, there's a right to have all these things. 
you're in dangerous territory where you're going right down the slippery slope with the anti-American Marxist left and saying government must provide everything for you. And those kind of things, when we use the word rights loosely, is where we can end up in our country. The court was exactly right in ruling that there is no right to an abortion. It's a policy decision. No right to it exists. And in America, if you change that path, and this is me speaking, not the court, if you change that path, you're in dangerous territory of empowering a tyrannical central, central power, centralized power government, which is what the left is headed toward, because you've gu guaranteed everything as a right. We'll talk more on this show about what rights should be, what rights really mean, but that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I tried to say in the first five, and I want to say it again in a springboard for our discussion, is vital to understand what the court did it did not do in the Roe versus Wade reversal in the Dobbs case. They did not outlaw abortion. They did not make abortion uh, somehow a, a um, unavailable. They put the issue, the public policy issue of abortion, back into the hands of state legislatures, and this issue of abortion is among literally thousands of issues that are in the hands of state legislatures. And I'll give you some examples that really matter. There are a wide variety of laws in America on the subject of divorce, alimony, child custody. And you're, you're as, a, as a person going through a divorce, I mean, I, I have a dear friend who got divorced in the state of New York, and she soon discovered uh, because they had moved to New York from California. She soon discovered she would have gotten a much better deal in her divorce had she lived in California. But the laws in California versus the laws in New York and other places around the country are very different in terms of what you're entitled to, how you split the property, whether alimony must be paid, whether child support must be paid, who has custody, how frequent, the, what the custody arrangement is. These are vital, vital issues that are different, are resolved by different laws in every state. And that is what part of what the left is decrying over the reversal of Roe versus Wade is that abortion rights will be different depending on which state you live in. That is true. Just like your, the issues that surround, the, one, the issues I just mentioned, alimony and child support and, and division of assets. This is a, this is, the nature of our, our country, our, our democratic republic, our experiment in human liberty, that states are kind of the, you know, the, experiment, the grounds for experiments and trying different policies and see what works. We have, and I'm raising this point for a really profound and important reason. We have had abortion legal in America and protected by the Constitution uh, since 1973. We have more than a generation of young people who actually think of abortion as a right, and who are going to fall prey very, very easily to what the left is arguing about what the Supreme Court decision means. I'm going to play for you in a few moments a uh, relatively lengthy clip by AOC, you know, airhead in Congress, AOC, who did a speech on the floor the day after the Dobbs decision came down. I'm actually going to uh, to torture my poor producer here, Joe, because we're going to actually go through it and stop it at various points and then and make some comments and go on with it. Because she, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, airhead, you know, on steroids, air, airhead in Congress, we're not going to do it quite yet, but I just want to tell you that the reason I want to interrupt her as she goes along 
is because she's making arguments that you're going to hear throughout this fall election. What is already happening is the Democrats are sizing up the fall elections, recognizing that America is completely miserable under President Biden, completely miserable under President Biden. America is totally unhappy with inflation, the price of gas, the unenforced border, all of the, I mean, every policy area, arena you can mention under Biden, America is upset, angry. He's got the you know, lowest poll ratings like ever of any president. And so Republicans are kind of salivating, saying, hey, this is great. You know, Biden's going down. The, the left is going down. I want to point out to you that this abortion issue is seen by many on the left as a winner for them. They see it as an issue. They can win voters, especially women in suburban areas. They can win voters, regardless of how miserable Biden's policies have otherwise made us, regardless of the fact that many, many, many people recognize Biden arrived at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue through election fraud, regardless of the fact that he exudes dementia and an alarming, alarming level. Many people have been assuming the Republicans are just going to skate in this fall um, and, you know, win the Senate majority, win the House back, uh, on track to win the presidential election in 2024. And I'm telling you, the left is, is seeing this abortion issue as an issue to bring back people who otherwise despise everything Biden is doing. But they think this can be a, this can turn the tide for them to bring people back to the Democrat Party. And so far, on the conservative side, uh, there have you know the the trend of people who are campaigning. They're still kind of on inflation and on the t the horrible economy we have and the ridiculous uh, failure to import enforce the southern border and all those issues everyone already knows. But it's vital for Republicans who want to, as they should, win the majority in the House and the Senate and then begin the impeachment process of Biden, of Harris, and while they're at it, Pelosi, all of them, just get these people out. But they think, all oh, that's going to happen. But we need on the conservative side to be ready with better answers, better responses on the subject of Roe versus Wade, the reversal of Roe, and what that means. We have to be ready with our arguments, especially speaking to women voters. Now, I will tell you that um, this whole question, I'm on to what will role reversal bring, is, is really, really vital to think about uh, because today there is, and, and there should be, there's jubilation. I mean, there are conservatives, pro-life groups, pro-life groups led by women. I mean, women have been very, very front and center in pushing for the reversal of Roe versus Wade. Met Marjorie Dannenfelser, a, a magnificent, you know, hardworking advocate among many, many others in our country, speaking up for uh, the the with the mission to reverse Roe versus Wade. And so there is, you know, naturally a celebration period. There's celebration right now over the Coach Kennedy decision. But I'm telling you that what we've got to be on top of and and aware of and planning around is the idea that the left is not going to take this sitting down. It isn't like they're going to say, well, I guess uh, Roe Ro is over, so you know we're going to have to find something new to talk about. They see this abortion issue as a winning issue for them, as an issue that cause, may cause voters who otherwise were really ready to get rid of Biden, really ready to get rid of Biden, they see it as, as a possible threshold for them to, in fact, get back into power um, and, and to have to scorn the Republicans over. And I, I'm, I'm wanting to say this because I think that 
this role reversal, uh, what it is going to bring, to answer my question why I named this, it's going to bring battles in state legislatures. There are many states, where I live, the great state of Texas, many other states, where there were laws already in place, essentially trigger laws that said, if Roe versus Wade is ever reversed, uh, here's our policy. Many states in which abortion will be completely outlawed, uh, other states have different uh, rules about it, going to have different rules relating to abortion. What the reversal road did was, it's really important, one of the talking points, I'm going to be talking with you about talking points you should have in discussing this issue with your women friends, and any friends, but Roe versus Wade falsely stated that there was a right to an abortion spelled out in the Constitution, and there isn't. And it doesn't even mildly spring from the other right to privacy that had previously been read into the Constitution. It does not spring from that. It was a policy decision. In fact, the Roe versus Wade decision read like a policy ruling. It went through, well, in the first three months, there's this standard, and in the second trimester, this standard, the state has increased interest, increased state interest, uh, in, uh, you know, interest in this, uh, in protecting his life with a child. In the third trimester, the state has even more interest. It was a policy decision put out by a court determined to have abortion be available on demand in America. That's what Roe versus Wade was. But this time in America, as we're deciding how we're going to handle this moving forward and how what we're going to do in the states, I, I implore people involved in this issue to recognize that we win more hearts and minds by spreading information, by actually spreading the concept of we want to help people who are struggling with an unwanted pregnancy. And I'm going to get to those in a little while. But Roe versus, the Roe reversal is going to bring state legislative action. It's also going to bring AOC already hints at it, and the clip we're about to play, AOC already hints at this, that Congress could essentially make the Roe versus Wade decision into a law. And she's saying, you know, they and, and liberals in Congress could just take the entire Roe versus Wade standards uh, and maybe, maybe put more standards in them or different standards and make it into a federal law. And they could, as Congress often does, attach strings to it. Say, well, he, we in Congress are saying, this is now the law of the land that uh, here's what we think about abortion. And any state that does not comport with this, any state that will not go along, you may, you may lose out on your federal um, you know, road, money for your roads, federal money for roads, federal money for schools, they will, they will tie strings to forcing states to comply with this, what they think they're going to come up with in Washington. That is another string attached. Uh, there's another consequence of this uh, reversal. There's also the consequence many people already trying to talk about. AOC takes a swipe at it in her remarks you're going to hear in a moment. In fact, we're going to play that in just a second here. The AOC takes a swipe at it, uh, where she's basically saying, you know, and, and, and said in another interview as well, uh, that the Supreme Court justices who are recently confirmed um, under this current Senate uh, should be, uh, she's calling for their removal. She's saying that uh, both um, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, the three of them who uh, came into power under Trump's time, uh, because they, she's wrong, but she's saying because they ended up, uh, you know, she says they promised they wouldn't reverse Roe when they were having their Senate confirmation hearings. They didn't promise that, but that's what she says. Um, and they should be actually recalled. She's calling for their re being recalled. 
Before we launch off in this clip of AOC, I want to say to our radio listeners, you're going to go off to a break at the bottom of your hour, 30 minutes after the hour. Please know the show will go on. I'll be right here still talking, and the show will go on after a three-minute break for a whole other half hour. So do come back. And also know if you're listening to this show on radio, first of all, thank you to Brighty and Radio. If you're listening on radio, you can also go back and hear the whole show, and you can watch it live at our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. You can go watch it there live so you don't have to miss. But on radio, if you go off to your break, do come back. I now want to start playing the clip. This is AOC on the floor of Congress um, basically making her pitch after Roe versus Wade. And I said, I'm going to interrupt this as we go along um, so that we uh, can definitely get um, – I, I can answer the kind of many airhead statements she makes. Let's go ahead and play her. Now, I believe um – we're here today. Today is a very heavy day for so many of us across the country. Every single one of us has woken up today with less rights than we had yesterday. And pregnant people in particular are, more danger, are in more danger in the United States uh, today than we were yesterday as a result of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. I think what we're experiencing here, it's important to tell the truth of what's going on. And with so many individuals out here, I think it's important for us to also tackle this myth that this is somehow about babies or children or life. Okay. The entire issue is about babies and children and life. This this is part of what the, how the left has succeeded in normalizing and legitimizing abortion, what they say are abortion rights. Their advocacy for the availability of abortion is by removing from the perception of the American people that this is a baby. It's not a cluster of cells. One of the brilliant things the pro-life movement has done over the years is to begin to demonstrate for America, to have, you know, the... Uh, pictures of unborn, very, very, very young fetuses, uh, you know, who you can see their fingers, you can see their heads, you can see them moving. And they brought out stories about how as they have um, sonograms being done during abortions, you can see a baby trying to pull away and get away from what the doctor is doing. The ability of the pro-life movement to paint a picture of, their, of reality for uh, Americans about what abortion is, that it is a, a living, breathing life that, that, is being, that is being snuffed out. And of course, she would start, she, AOC, would start her presentation by trying somehow to make the argument that this isn't about life or children or babies. It's exactly what it's about. If there were a provision that said that made some rule about, you know, women are not allowed to have plastic surgery or aren't allowed to have, you know, any voluntary things that involve their own body. Then the Democrat point about, you know, my body, my choice would be valid. If any state said, you know, women can't have, uh, I, I don't know, you know, facelifts, women can't have uh, liposuction, whatever things were to be outlawed, you know, you'd have the right to make the argument. This is, you know, my body. You can't make a law saying I can't do this. But the entire abortion discussion from the time it began is about the concept that this is a baby. It's an unborn human life. Okay, let's turn her back in. Tune her back in. Because the same individuals who purport claim to be protecting life 
fight against universal health care? Do they believe in universal child care? Do they believe in life after birth? Stop it right there. This is another argument, and you hear this actually. I'm, I'm glad we're doing this because why I'm doing this, I'm taking time to do this. I don't really enjoy listening to AOC, and I actually have some listeners who said to me, you know, please don't play her. I can't stand her voice. But I chose to play this today because I want you to understand she's making the arguments we're going to hear for years on end. And you have to be able to respond. This point she's making right now that if you, since you are pro-life, if you would like to protect the life of an unborn child, you therefore, she illogically leaps to conclude, must agree with the Marxist agenda of universal health care, universal child care, all sorts of left-wing, massive government control policies that she, as a left-wing socialist, supports. You can support life and protect unborn life because life has meaning and value, and you don't, you can support life and want to protect life without agreeing with the entire left-wing agenda. Let's continue with her. From their policy positions, I assure you, the evidence is lacking. A life that claims to be protecting the lives of children, or rather a, a party and individuals who claim to protect the lives of children just weeks after over a dozen children died in Texas, now claim to support their life. Again, let's shut her up for a second. I, I understand. Please, please don't tune up. I know how annoying she is. But this is the kind of thing the left does. They delude simple-minded people into accepting these arguments. Now her argument is, well, if you support life, you want to protect unborn life, then you have to accept the left-wing goal of taking everyone's guns away. That's what she's talking about. She's saying, you know, if you want to support life, then you must support the left-wing policy choice in dealing with issues involving guns, which in the left-wing worldview is to basically end the Second Amendment protection uh, of, the, of the right to keep and bear arms. There is no logical connection. You can solve school violence, as we talked about in the show before, solve school violence other ways by making schools more secure. You don't have to solve them by taking away the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And that is exactly what the court was ruling on recently. Um, I think I said earlier it was Maine. It was the state of New York that said basically you have to give them a good enough reason for a government bureaucrat to decide if you ought to be able to have the keep, a right to keep and bear arms. And the Supreme Court said, no, it's an absolute right. But her argument there, this is a kind of, you know, this is the, uh, I mean, I, I call her airhead, and it's actually not, I, I mean, I don't feel like I have to be kind to her, but she understands what she's making are fallacious arguments. She understands these things don't flow one to the other. She's actually not as stupid as she tries to sound. Welcome back to our radio listeners. This is Debbie George and America Can We Talk. We're still uh, having a great time going through AOC's floor speech at the Congress related to the uh, reversal of Roe versus Wade in the Dobbs case. Let's go and hear her next thing. Eyes of the young. Who are we protecting? Who does this protect? No one. Okay, let me let me interrupt her. Uh, how about putting in, and one of the many things the left never wants to draw attention to is, you know, the fact that since the time we had Roe versus Wade go into effect, 1973, there have been 63 million abortions. You likely recall President Clinton's language, he wanted to make abortion safe, legal, and rare. Rare. 
That was his, you know, as long as you make it rare, then everything's pretty cool, you know? Well, 63 million abortions, I think, you know, I gotta tell you, one little commentary I wanted to add, how America's perception about this issue has evolved over the decades, in part because of the advocacy of pro-life groups um, who try to point out, you know, how soon a baby has a heartbeat, how soon a baby can feel pain, how soon a baby can be perceived moving away from the doctor's instrument as he, as he or she's trying to perform an abortion. They've made, the, they've made people not made up stories, they've allowed people to see the truth about what abortion is and also how, how very young a baby is when the heart starts beating. And this is the last thing the left wants anyone to contemplate as they push there and they are not, I'm sorry, they are not pro-choice, they are pro-abortion. And the other thing that is just vital to keep in mind, the left does not want to try to win this argument in the, in the public square. They, and this is why the left was so exuberant over Roe versus Wade. They don't want to have this discussion in the public square, in the legislatures around our country, because it requires them to deal with the facts. It requires them to deal with what the other side is saying. And to avoid all of that, they, they got the Roe versus Wade decision, which allowed them pretty much to push the entire issue as women's rights, which is, I mean, understand, thousands of women worked tirelessly to get to this day when Roe versus Wade was reversed. This is not a women's right versus men's right issue. It's not a women's right issue. It's a policy question on when and whether abortion should be legal. And this will be happening in state legislatures. But there are plenty of women who do not support Roe versus Wade, and therefore the Roe versus Wade decision was not about women's rights. And there's another co-opting of the conversation the left does all the time Instead of discussing the issue, they discuss there, well, we are stand for women's rights. That's right. We're for women's rights. And this is not a women's rights. And it's not a women versus men. This is not something you see sometimes the left saying, well, you know, men shouldn't have any say in this, you know, uh, although now they have a hard time with that since if you heard in the very beginning, AOC started out with people who are pregnant as though she thinks men can be pregnant, which take note, they cannot. Men cannot be pregnant. Only women can be pregnant. This is a biological fact since time began. But back to AOC, she is on the warpath articulating the arguments you're going to be hearing over the months ahead and years ahead. But the reason in part the left latches on to the concept of rights and women's rights is because they don't want to deal with facts. They don't want to deal with the reality. And what's occurred between 1973 and here we are in 2022, so we're almost up to 2023, What's occurred in that time is information has grown about the, a fetus. And the other thing that's happened, we're going to get to this in, in a little while if we finish with her. You'll hear leftists say, well, all you, you know, pro-life people and you like this reversal. Okay, you know, why don't you adopt all these babies? And why don't you take care of all these unwanted pregnancies, uh, babies that emerge from unwanted pregnancies? Let me just tell you that it's part of what has happened on the conservative side for decades. I pushed early on when there was a, this became a big national conversation that we on the conservative side would win more lives, win more hearts, win the public discussion by not expressing anger and hatred 
which I don't think very many express hatred, but just anger and denouncement, versus expressing love for women caught in the situation of unwanted pregnancy and wanting to help them. And these organizations, I know there's one here in Dallas called Council for Life. There are organizations like this around the country, and they raise money. Their entire purpose is to raise money to help women who are facing unwanted pregnancies, fund pregnancy resource centers, help women find a path toward adoption if that's what they wish to do, help them find a way if they want to keep the baby, help them find places to live, help them, help them find everything they need. The pro-life movement has been enormously uh, generous with the way they raise money in terms of trying to help people. They're actually putting, as they say, their money where their mouth is. They're putting their money behind the idea that you have to help people in our society, not because there's a legal obligation of the government to do that, because, but it's because we as a good nation, a nation of loving, good people, largely inspired by the Christian love of mankind, loving your fellow neighbor, have done enormous work over the decades trying to help women who find themselves in a situation. And this is always ignored by the left. Again, another fact the left cannot handle in their quest to simply want a blanket rule, abortion anytime, for any reason, without our, you know, and, and, and never, ever, ever, ever want to address the fact that there is actually another life involved that of the baby. Let's play AOC again. Overturning Roe puts every single one of us in danger. And what I think many of our colleagues perhaps haven't quite, or perhaps they have fully understood, is that this also undermines the right to privacy in the United States of America. But I'm going to tell you one, another thing very interesting. I call the first segment the Constitutional Supreme Court. Everyone should understand that all of us are most protected, not because whether Roe is in place or Roe is reversed or any other decision is made by the court, but by the concept that we have a constitution that is the central foundational building block of American law, American rights, American culture, American freedom, and that we are all most helped when the constitution is upheld by the Supreme Court, when we stop treating the Supreme Court as an unelected legislative body able to make policy decisions which is what leftists want. Okay, we can go on with her. I have more points, but I want to get through her. I'm getting tired of her too. We are here to solve this issue. Our job is to develop a path forward. And in that, we know that this house has passed and is willing to codify Roe. But what we also need is answers from our colleagues in the United States Senate. So to those senators who voted for these justices under the claim and the guise that this would not happen, this decision falls on them. What one second, stop her for one second. If you ever have the um, interest or uh, you know patience to watch Supreme, the uh, hearings uh, in the um, United States Senate, whether there's a nomination for the Supreme Court or even uh, some of the, uh, the federal district courts and appellate courts, you know that, that they, there is a standard operating, everyone understands, is not appropriate for any senator to ask any of the candidates before the Supreme Court or anyplace else, would you ever dare reverse Roe versus Wade? 
would you ever do this? They are not supposed to ask these uh, nominees for the Supreme Court how they would vote in a case as yet unknown. And those judges, uh, the, the nominees are fully aware of this, and they'll often answer, I, I can't speculate what I would do in a case like that. Now, I'm sure someone's going to go back and dig up every single statement made uh, during the confirmation hearings for Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, the three people nominated and, and made it to the court under Trump. That is definitely going to happen, and they'll find some way, that some language argues that the, um, they, they kind of promised they wouldn't. But understand, none of those justices promised America that they would not reverse Roe versus Wade. They promised they would apply the Constitution and law to the uh, facts before them. That's all that's happening. It's very, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an argument she's making, um, she, uh, AOC, is making to put pressure on senators who may have voted to confirm these justices, um, and it's an argument to be made, uh, it's, a, it's a veiled threat toward the Supreme Court justices because they are being hearing from her, you just might get removed. It is that same leftist tyrannical mindset that is just oozing out of the Biden administration, oozing out of her mouth, AOC, which is basically nobody crosses the left. Nobody does anything that we don't like. Nobody challenges us. We've decided abortion rights exist, which they don't in the Constitution, and, and we're going to threaten justices who might potentially uphold those rights uh, moving forward. Play one more clip of her. They do. As they were lied to. What will they do as a consequence of this decision? Whether that be Republican or Democrat, but we cannot allow this to go on unanswered. We are talking about a court of, with the majority of justices appointed by a party that has not won a popular presidential election more than once in 30 years. Ruling there. Against we can stop her. You know, I, I will just say the reason I wanted to play all that is we are going to hear these arguments and people on the conservative side who want to be able to be active, to be engaged uh, wherever you are in your state legislatures. I, I don't want to overstate the case because I do think that there are many, many more Americans not um, not excited anymore about Roe versus Wade. I think uh, I think the left pushed it too far. Their very recent, very open acknowledgement in some cases of the idea, yeah, we should even allow abortion after after birth. I mean, the mom just uh, decides and has the baby and says, no, nah, I don't think so. And that it's okay in their worldview to just have the doctor terminate the baby's life. I mean, you just, you hear these things, you think, well, that would never happen, but it does happen. They are, to, I mean, it does happen that they're talking about it as though it should be the law. That And, and this whole concept, I mean, I... I want to try to, I got to close out this topic and do one quick thing, but this whole concept of what we think about abortion rights has evolved over decades. And back in 1973, when Roe versus Wade uh, was the case, there was still, what was the ruling at the time, far less access to birth control, 
far fewer means of effective birth control. In fact, it had only been previous to that in 1965 when the Supreme Court decided Griswold versus the state of Connecticut, which was a very profound case at the time, which essentially the Supreme Court said the state of Connecticut had made a law that even married people in the state of Connecticut could not buy birth control. Birth control was illegal even for married people, which sounds so crazy now, but that's what the law was in Connecticut. And so that case went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, basically, this right of privacy concept, the state of Connecticut cannot tell married people whether or not they can have access to birth control. And I share that with you to say, that's kind of the mental environment back at that time. Birth control less available, uh, you know, far more public question of, of its uh, legality and its, um, you know, morality. But now birth control is widely available. Um, the public is widely aware um, of the various, um, you know, uh, the availability of birth control, the various means of birth control, uh, widely aware of the, uh, how a baby develops, a, a little baby, uh, you know, within a few weeks, I think it's 15, I don't know how, it's very early on in the, in the pregnancy, you can, uh, you can get a heartbeat, you can determine a heartbeat. And in fact, there is polling now, by the way, and how much America has shifted. Uh, it's like 57% of Americans now say that abortion should not be legal um, after the heartbeat is detected. And so these pro-life organizations have worked assiduously and patiently and honestly and with integrity, bringing to the American people uh, the truth about a, a developing baby. And where we are right now, even if you say 1973, you know, whatever all the causes you'd point to, to why that decision was made, here we are in 2022, and we are needing as a country to respond to this issue in a way that reflects that we, we have the current facts. We are aware of the availability of birth control. We're aware that despite the effort to make it safe, legal, and rare, that we're now standing at a 63 million, million baby hallmark. Yeah, there are, people are just saying, you know, we have to do something. Roe versus Wade getting overturned doesn't mean abortion is outlawed. It means we'll do what the Constitution intended from the very start, which is to have the issue in the hands of the American people uh, through their legislatures. And, and that we won't have the same laws in every state. We'll have different laws in different states. Um, and this is, this is what a Democrat republic is all about, is having, is having the, the states have different policies. I do want to share a couple of quick last things. I'm going to be on this issue more, I'm sure. Uh, but a couple of quick things about this abortion issue before I get to um, Biden. Biden's dementia. But um, one is um, that AOC has actually, on somebody's talk show, she called for impeaching uh, Thomas Kavanaugh and Barrett, and she referred to them as having engaged in a hostile takeover of our democratic institutions. Now, I know she searches long and hard for melodramatic terms to use, but she actually, uh, kind of crazy, she actually said that. Uh, there's also uh, something trending on Twitter calling the hashtag sex strike, basically saying that women, until Roe versus Wade is reinstated, uh, women should go on strike and not be willing to engage in intimate relations uh, with their husbands. Um, kind of funny because, you know, from... <laughs> I won't even get started. I mean, it's just so absurd that somehow these women, that that's going to force people to change their policy view on, on a massively consequential issue um, because uh, the sex strike is happening. Um, I also want to share two things that um, I think the message from the right has, has been, the message of the pro-life world has been really wonderful about, as I've been talking about, having spread truth about the nature of the baby and how quickly it develops and the numbers and all of that. Um, 
But there's also been a messaging, as I was talking about the Council for Life here in Dallas, groups around the country trying to help. A lot of messaging is coming, which I, I think the message to the American people cannot be. I mean, the left wants it to be. They support your right to an abortion. They support women's rights. And, and Republicans don't care about women. And Republicans don't care about uh, um, you know, uh, women's rights. And we have to be uh, able to respond to that in many ways. In many ways, they're loving. One thing I want to share with you, I sent this to uh, Joe, my happy producer for today. Um, this is a picture. as a couple put up a meme of themselves. It says, please don't abort. We will adopt your baby. It just, it went viral because these people are, you know, they're basically saying the message being, of course, there are plenty of parents out there or people out there who want to be parents who can't have kids. Please don't do that. I also want to share with you very briefly a, um, a post a friend of mine put up on Facebook. I didn't ask her, I won't say her name because I didn't ask her to share it, but she's, um, you know, married and they have four grown kids, I'm pretty sure, three grown kids. And in their earlier in their life, they were foster parents. They also took in some foster kids just to, you know, help in the world. And they stopped doing that. They're very busy. They both have careers. Um, but in light of this Roe versus Wade, she wrote, she posted this thing, just basically saying the idea. Um, and I, I won't read the whole thing, but uh, I may post it later. If you are in or find yourself in a crisis pregnancy, we are here for you. Call me, direct message me if you're scared or alone. We promise we'll help you. This is the message we want you to hear from us today. We will help you. If you're sick during your pregnancy, we'll help you. If you decide to give up your child for adoption, we'll help you. Cry with you and help you choose what's best for you. It goes on and on just saying, you know, the world of people who want to protect life are here to help the people facing unwanted pregnancy. And she finished by posting later that she and her husband are going to re-up for the idea of becoming foster parents. I'm not saying everyone has to put up a little meme that says, you know, don't abort, we'll adopt your baby, and everyone doesn't have to do what my friend is doing. But the concept of the message of love, love, concern, and care for people facing unwanted pregnancies is a huge, huge message. It goes a long way to dissolve or refute uh, the angry posting from the left, uh, the, the angry posts from the left that try to essentially um, say that, you know, the, the uh, pro-life world is forcing um, itself on everyone else. And, you know, the whole argument that, you know, my, my body, my choice, it is kind of ironic. I'm not the first one to point this out. Kind of ironic that the same anti-American Marxist left who is perfectly happy, perfectly happy to force Americans to get a jab to get the um, a vaccine for COVID, which they didn't need, which have, has literally been harming and killing people, the left fine with forcing Americans to take an injection in their own bodies or to have those people otherwise lose their rights. That was okay with them. That was okay. But this idea, somehow this, you know, my body, my choice they argue when it's about abortion, but actually my body, my choice is not really, it's just a, a misstatement as to someone if you're carrying a baby. It's the baby we're all trying to think and try to help, try to focus on. How do we help? How do we protect? We want to help the mom and we want to help the baby. And in a country with 63 million abortions in 1973, there are, enough, there are Americans saying this is enough. We have to try different policies. We have to try something different. And it will be played out in the legislatures around this country. It's messy. It'll be argumentative. It'll be, it'll, you know, in some cases be hostile. But it is the way in America we arrive at policy decisions. We don't let 
courts make policy decisions. That's not what the Constitution intended. I mean, a quick thing about uh, Joe Biden. I will tell you, um, you know, people, as I said, people have been really, really, really excited uh, on the conservative side um, about the idea that um, Joe Biden's policies are so ruinous that everyone, everyone knows he's going to be voted down. Everyone knows he's out. I just want to point out to you a couple of things. This abortion decision, this reversal Roe versus Wade, this does play into the calculation the left thinks about how likely they are to be successful in 2022 and in 2024. They think they have a winning issue. It's the job of those on the pro-life side, those who value life, to make the arguments, make the messaging, make the statement uh, to respond to it. But back to Joe Biden, it is breathtaking. Oh, by the way, before I forget to tell you this, did you realize um, that the since the Biden administration uh, came into being, you've had the GOP has gained one million new registered voters. People are leaving the Democrat Party and joining the GOP because they don't like what Biden's doing to our country. We've got, we need to capitalize on that. We need to not lose that. And people are just, you know, they're, they're bleeding Democrat parties, uh, Democrat voters in the Democrat Party. They're bleeding members because people don't like what Biden's doing to our country. We can't let this Roe versus Wade thing change that. But I also want to point out, just because we, everyone's, you know, many conservatives are all excited. Oh, yeah, we got this. We're, we're, we're in the driver's seat now. It's breathtaking to realize how many people um, are under the radar on the Democrat side and how different things might look if you have some other candidate running for the um, presidency, run, running for the presidency on the Democrat side, if it wasn't Biden, I don't think the Democrats can afford to leave him in in 2024. I know Biden says he's going to run. And everyone tries to pretend they take it seriously. But, you know, he's, he's a disaster and everyone knows that. So I think the Democrats will get him out somehow. But it doesn't mean that we're left with Kamala Harris, who's equally a disaster, and they know it. I mean, they, they can say they're going to run, but I think the party won't get behind them. But there are people that are actually floating these names. These are Democrat people whose names are being floated as possible replacements for Biden in 24. Uh, Sherrod Brown of Ohio. Stacey Abrams, not even kidding. Stacey Abrams in Georgia, now apparently potentially on track to win the governorship and then run for president in 2024. Uh, another one is this Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. I just am telling you this to say, if we get to a point in 20, you know, leading up to 2024, when Biden's out of there, he's not their candidate, and they've got somebody new, and they've got a person who can articulate, who can even speak English, articulate better, we're, they're going to be uh, more formidable, and we have to be on top of our game as conservatives, recognizing how much the, all the winds could shift if Biden is not the one, you know, blustering and blathering and blubbering and, and making no sense at all when he speaks. And speak, so just keep that in mind. Um, speaking of that, I want to quickly show you, uh, there was a tweet that was put out. I want to ha this is our Benny Johnson's tweet relating to Joe Biden. If you can put that up, uh, I believe you have that. Yep, that looks like it. Okay, so I want to just point this out. So Biden's in the White House, and he's, oh wait, I got to jump in and say, leave that up there. But for our radio listeners, you're about to go off at the end of our show um, at three minutes before the hour. I'm very sorry to lose you at this point. If you'd like to listen to the rest of the show, you can go to my website, americacanwetalk.org. Go there anytime to see past shows, current shows, live shows, 
every blog post, everything we do is at americacanwetalk.org and on radio. Please continue to listen in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. We're at americacanwetalk.org. Okay, back to this tweet I left up. I want to just talk to you about this. So Biden is in the White House giving some, you know, blathering. Um, and he actually, he's been excruciating to watch. He has been since he ran. But at this point, this is what's going on. The picture on the right is Biden standing there, uh, you know, making a point or maybe making a point. I don't know. But what he's clutching in his hand is enlarged on the left. This is what he had to be handed. Uh, this is when his, his um, they're calling it a drop by and a sequence of events. Offshore wind drop by, sequence of events. They have to actually tell him like a child, you enter the Roosevelt Room. Uh, you say hello to the participants. You take your seat. Uh, press enters. You give brief comments. Two minutes. Press departs. You ask, and it looks like Liz Schuler, President AFL-CIO, a question. Note, Liz is joining virtually. I mean, they have to give him step-by-step -step instructions of how to do a drop-by. Now, I want to just ask you to contrast that. If you recall, when President Trump was still in office, leaving the White House, he would often, they became the coolest press conferences ever, leaving the White House, heading toward Air Force One or Marine One um, to go somewhere, and the press was always uh, lurk, you know, lurking in the White House driveway, and they would just, hey, Mr. President, Trump, no notes, no one whispering to him, no you know, no one's saying, sit down here, do this, say this. He could handle question after question, topic after topic. I mean, jumping all around. He was fully on top of things. That's what you need in a commander in chief. Biden is so confused. And the idea that we have him still in charge, you know, apparently, you know, uh, uh, access to the nuclear buttons is really, 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 really alarming. And apparently no one in the Democrat Party has the backbone, the, the honesty, the clarity, the integrity, the determination to stand up and speak up and say this guy has to go. It is really an argument to invoke the constitutional amendment. I think it's 25th or 26th Amendment, 25th, I think, to remove a president from mental incompetency. Now, the Democrats don't want to do that. Because they they will you know be castigated and they'll have some lunatic supporters who like Biden, the people saying if you knew he was this crazy why did you let him in? I mean they're they're really loath to do that, but that's what they need to do. We're at that point. They need to just get him out of there, but they won't do it. Okay, last quick story, and this will be a good segue for tomorrow. Um, but I want to mention um, in South Carolina there's a Senate candidate. Uh, named Crystal Matthews. She is running, she's a current South Carolina state rep, and she's running for U.S. Senate as a Democrat. And she made a phone call uh, to, I guess, someone she thought was someone um, in a, um, anyway, she made a phone call talking about uh, her strategy, how they're going to win things uh, in South Carolina. And she was being recorded by Project Veritas, uh, and which has now released it. And this story is on our website. You can read the whole story at AmericanCanWeTalk.org. But if you would, Joe, play this quick clip of, this is again, Crystal Matthews describing how the Democrats can win. We need some secret sleepers. Like, we need, we need them to run as the other side, even though they're for our side. 
and we need right, them to win. Right. We need people to run as Republicans in these local elections. And this is the only way you're going to change the, the dynamics in South Carolina. We can battle them in public all day. As long as we know we're working for the same goal, for me, <laughs> right. I feel like, y'all, we need sleepers. When we get enough of us in there, we can wreak havoc, havoc for real from the inside out. Then we can flip some yeah. from the inside out. We gotta take back some of these seats, especially in these local elections. We need a group of sleepers. And I still right. gotta struggle to raise money for my campaign. Where the fuck is my black people with money? I don't care about no dope money. Give me that dope boy money. Where the fucking dope? Where the duffel bag boys? Get you find you somebody in your family that don't even know you donating to my campaign and put that shit under their name. Honestly, these ain't the same type of black people that I grew up around. I don't recognize these black people. So I don't black because I don't understand the type of black that they are. Now, can I talk intelligently? Can I? I could be, listen, I can move in all kinds of circles, but I'm a heart. I love black people. I feel safest around my people. I'm very much a in a lot of ways, but I know how to turn it off and turn it on. You know, I, I know how to I know how to be in certain spaces. You know, you right, gotta right. be able to turn it off and turn it on. Yeah. We need some folks that can wear all black at night and take their yard signs down when they when they sleeping. We ain't gotta mm -hmm. make a bunch of noise about it. We ain't gotta we ain't gotta go mm -hmm. live about it. Just don't say shit. just like when somebody drop money and you pick it up. You pick that <laughs> shit up and keep walking. This is from Project Veritas and she's speaking to an inmate and she's running through give me some of the people with the duffel bags and the dope money. I just want to point out, we can talk more about this tomorrow because we're out of time pretty much, but um, I want to point out, this is, she's not speaking, she's not a, a spokesperson for the national DNC. She is not. She's not a spokesperson for the political, any political party. She's a candidate though, and this is how she sees the world, is she is a N-word, calls herself that, and she, her idea of winning is not to convince anyone of the merits of her arguments, is to find black people to invade uh, surreptitiously the Republican Party, get inside and blow it up. And this is oh, this is a South Carolina person, but uh, people referring to thinking much of this happened also in Georgia. We're gonna have to get back to that another day. Okay, my very fine friends, um, I will tell you that this show, um, we'll probably be talking more about the Coach Kennedy case. I believe I'll have the lead counsel in that case joining me in a few, I'm not sure when, we're working on that, um, have him joining. Uh, I also want to mention our Thursday show this week. We have Senator Bob Hall, Texas State Senator Bob Hall, who is loved by conservatives, and also Jeffrey Younger. And he is the dad um, who is advocating in the Texas legislature to prevent to urge the state legislature to pass a law preventing gender modification of young children. And you would think that'd be a slam dunk race to the legislature in Texas, but no. So they're joining our very special Thursday show in studio on Thursday. So be sure to do that. And also, um, you know, come back every day, Monday through Thursday. But I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started talking about the constitutional SCOTUS, um, SCOTUS on a roll, private school vouchers, that was the main case, Second Amendment protection in New York case, Dobbs, that was reverse Roe versus Wade, Coach Kennedy, great new case, of course you're allowed to pray uh, as a public school official. Um, Americans of all political leanings should welcome SCOTUS getting out of policymaking. The Constitution assigns policymaking to the legislative branch elected by the people and not to the judicial branch SCOTUS did not ban abortion or mandate prayer, 
football games or establish religion anywhere. SCOTUS returned the court to the boundaries of the Constitution. History likely to show that returning political debate to the legislature is better for society. And what will the Roe Ro reversal bring? Post-Dobbs rhetoric is at a fever pitch, but not all reflective of the majority view. Not many Americans support, abor support abortion up to the moment of birth. Not many Americans support a 100% ban on abortion under any and all circumstances. Safe, legal, and rare was Bill Clinton's phrase for the Democrat approach to abortion, but 63 million abortions since Roe was decided in 1973 fits nobody's definition of safe, legal, and rare. Dobbs merely concluded that abortion is not a constitutional right. The 50-state laboratories of democracy can decide what their citizens want on the subject of unwanted pregnancy. Thoughtful and serious debate ought to be the norm for legislatures, not invective and name-calling and vitriol. Can this norm return on the subject of abortion? And on Biden's dementia cards in 2024, I was calling the card he was holding up a dementia card. He can't, he can't handle his job. Biden's dementia is cringeworthy. He reads from note cards written at the level of a child. America is not a serious country so long as a political system is unable to deal with the truth that everyone sees, exactly what the 25th Amendment was designed for. Statesmen are more concerned with country than with party power. They would step up to the dementia issue and deal with it. The left is instead focused on turning away from Biden for a 2024 re-election run, floating new names for 2024. Just picture Stacey Abrams. Dementia in the commander-in-chief is extremely dangerous for all Americans. And secret recording of how Democrats plan to win, Project Veritas releases another video, a rare look at candid talk from a black Democrat candidate for U.S. Senate, openly calling for infiltration of frauds, sleepers into the GOP, openly asking for illegal donations, openly racist attitudes toward blacks and whites, an ugly blueprint of how the left views racial strategy in politics. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?